Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Range of Capital podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast, and the clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely. With me, as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Tuesday, June 14th, and today we're talking all about Microsoft endorsing LinkedIn with a big deal at a huge premium. Uh, So, Chris, I'll set the stage a little bit. So, Microsoft, it was announced yesterday morning, is buying LinkedIn for uh, 50% premium to the previous day stock price, $196 for a stock that was about $130 the day before. Huge deal, $26 billion enterprise value deal. Uh, It's going to be one of the biggest deals here to date. If you're a banker, you're probably celebrating right now. There's going to be 50 to $60 million in fees that are thrown around when all is said and done. And uh, I think we've got a bunch of interesting things. So we can talk about some conflicts on the banker side. We can talk about why Microsoft's doing this. What do you want to start with? I think one of the best ways to make money is to have a small bank advise on a huge deal. Very true, yep. And uh, be one of the few equity guys there. And so this is going to be a great deal for the bankers. I mean, it's not that hard. It's not as if you need to introduce Microsoft to Lincoln or vice versa. Uh, and uh, it's super lucrative. And it's higher probability to be lucrative for the bankers than it is for the buyers. So there, uh, it was the so LinkedIn Advisors was a very small investment bank. Quantum was it Quantum? Catalyst. Cat- which, yes, which, with we, a Q. With which a Q, I know though, right? because as a Scrabble player, I love Q words with no use. So. But uh, one thing that uh, you heard, in, it's a very small investment bank. So obviously this means less malice to kind of share the big fees with. But one thing they said was this was a bank that was known for selling companies at a big premium mm-hmm. and LinkedIn got a 50% premium. So they did they did a great job here. Uh, another interesting thing is Goldman Sachs normally works with Microsoft on deals. They've worked with them on all their past really big deals, but they didn't work with them on this one. And the rumor is Goldman was conflicted. They were working with another party who was trying to buy LinkedIn. So they couldn't work with Microsoft on this one. Go ahead. Rhymes with Google. <laughs> you think they were working with Google? I do. Okay. And uh, that actually does make sense. Deals that are at a 50% premium are generally done because it's a competitive bidding yep. situation. And in this case, I think the uh, price from the targets, hopefully I'm not jumping around too much, no, no. from the targets perspective is really important because it's not just about the multiples, which look rich-ish, uh, in some ways very rich, but it's important because a lot of the employees have compensation mm-hmm. tied to the stock price. And so getting it back up once it's fallen into a hole is part of the strategic necessity for maintaining talent. When you're the equity owner or the employer uh, of uh, guys who work in a salt mine, you own the place. When you're the equity owner or the employer of guys who are genius computer engineers, you're kind of the custodian. So that was uh, that was one of the things that actually we want to talk about. So why why is this deal happening right now? And one of the reasons it's definitely happening is LinkedIn stock was down significantly year to date. Mm-hmm. And as you're saying, LinkedIn they're actually known as one of the companies that pays their employees the most in stock comp. And when your stock falls from two hundred fifty dollars as it was kind of a year ago to one hundred thirty dollars as it was now, all of your employees who had stock options priced at two hundred they're way underwater, and you've got a big problem because. If you don't, they're going to feel disgruntled. They're going to feel underpaid, and they're very likely to leave if uh, if you don't do something. So by giving this big deal at a big premium, you can get them all back in the money. You can pay them retention bonuses as Microsoft takes over. So it's very important to LinkedIn in order to avoid kind of employee churn. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, I think that the idea of stock options, if you were marketing it to 
uh, us poor schmucks who uh, simply own the place, uh, you would say, well, it is, uh, it is aligned. But it's sort of a ratchet effect aligned. It's yep. aligned that they get rich if we do well. But it's not symmetrical in terms of the risk side of the equation. If we do horribly, they're not going to do horribly. Yeah. They're going to leave. They're going to leave. Or a lot of times you'll see companies, you know, their price goes from 100 to 10. And all of a sudden they come out and say, we replaced all our employees' options. It was critical because we were going to lose employees. But it was like, well, then the cost of the options were higher than they were to begin with because you were always going to reprice them when they went down. And the first company in the world who would have an early read on this would be LinkedIn because all their employees <laughs> would be updating their LinkedIn uh, account. So that's actually a great segue. So we want to talk about reasons this deal happened. And we've obviously talked a little bit about some of the LinkedIn motiva- motivation, but I think there are three other reasons. Uh, and we'll go from in order of least likely to most likely. And I think the least likely and most fun to speculate is the conspiracy theory, where Microsoft is doing this for creepy, scary, utterly ridiculous rationales. And I'll let you dive into that. I, a little I bit. like going dark. <laughs> uh, and uh, in this case, you know, these are the guys that have a lot of, they have literally office, but the office, if you think about kind of professional functions, they are watching you doing Excel and Word and so forth and Outlook. And now uh, they're going to have incredibly valuable uh, data to mine. Yep. So about you. So they've got they have what you're working on, and now they have through LinkedIn they have where you're working, who your boss is, and everything. And I think the conspiracy theory is they start sending emails to your boss that was, hey, we were looking at his Excel program, and man, he has been making some mistakes in Excel recently. Over the last 24 hours, we would like to comment on the ratio of Excel to Xbox. <laughs> and, and number one, he spends more time on Xbox. Number two, he's not very good at Call of Duty. I, so I think that's one. And the other uh, kind of creepy one is Microsoft could use it for a lot of really big data mining where they could be using it, hey, uh, what is Apple looking to hire? They can look at the last 100 people Apple's hired and say, oh, Apple's hiring a lot of car engineers. Maybe we should look into cars. Or they could also use it as an advertising gold mine. Hey, you just got a promotion or a new job. Uh, let's use all of that data and we can use it to push you to a bunch of other Microsoft products or just sell it to advertisers. So I think that's the creepy kind of conspiracy theory. Anything else there or do you want to go to the next one? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Okay, so that's the least likely. I think kind of uh, one step above one of the reasons, but this is a much smaller reason, is the cost and synergies rationale and almost a little bit of the financing rationale of this deal. And I'll let you ju- jump into that one as well. It's hard to get from here to there in terms of the price they're paying. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, I would say it's more likely in terms of an element. Uh, certainly, you can take out the public costs. You can take out the um, inefficiencies and awkwardness of having quarterly reporting and so forth and just being a separate corporation that isn't that impressive in some ways as a publicly traded company in terms of how Wall Street likes to see such things. And and, and we've talked about this before, but I think a big rationale can kind of be interest rates are low, financing's cheap. Microsoft's one of the only three AAA-rated companies left, though they might lose it with this deal. But they've got $105 billion in cash on their balance sheet. This is a $26 billion deal. A lot of that cash is overseas, so they can't access it. But it's obviously a big deal, but you know, very financeable with that much cash. They can raise a lot of debt at very low interest rates to buy. And when you raise debt at kind of 2% for 10 or 20 years, 
just about anything you buy is accretive to your earnings. There's a little bit of a cost component. They say there's going to be about $150 million in cost savings, but you don't do a $26 billion deal because you have 2% interest rates and $150 million in synergies. That's really just one component. Go ahead. A component, you can't really get there, but you get closer if you don't compare it to what LinkedIn looked like, but compare it to how dilutive it would have been to throw money at people once the stock was in the hole as much as it was. Mm-hmm. So if you compare it to max dilution comp at LinkedIn, you at least get to wipe out some of that. Yep. And, and then the last thing I'll mention, you know, it caught, we've talked about the cost and the financing. They're buying LinkedIn at a 75 to 100x EBITDA yeah. multiple. You don't buy companies uh, at that big of a multiple unless there's more to it than just a simple cost play. We've seen a lot of analysis that says this is actually one of the most expensive takeovers of the past few years. Uh, the only ones you can find at kind of a bigger multiple are cancer slash rare drug takeovers where there's huge explosive growth from a patented drug with like 90% margins. I don't think that's quite a fair analysis. Uh, you know, LinkedIn was growing rapidly. There's synergies. There's the strategy rationale. But it's definitely an expensive deal that you don't justify on cost. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So we've talked about, a lot about how LinkedIn needed a deal because of the stock component. Do you want to dive in there? No, or I was just saying, you know, it's over $200 per user on LinkedIn. You know, I, I, I was... I'm a LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, a, I'm LinkedIn. If they could just have paid me $199 in cash, I'm there. So it's yeah. kind of like when I was living in New York and Mike Bloomberg was running for mayor. I was like, I will sell out. Like, just, <laughs> like can we just use currency as opposed to this incredibly high spending? Well, you know, so it is $200 per user, and that's interesting. You know, Twitter, and we're going to talk about Twitter in a little bit. Their stock price right now is $30 per user, and the reason you you value people on per users is it's kind of the network effect, mm-hmm. and the LinkedIn user is obviously much more valuable than a Twitter user. You have much more data. They're much more locked in than you would be on Twitter. But, you know, there's a $200 per user is a lot per user. You really need a lot of synergies there. And speaking of synergies, I think the real reason this deal is getting done is the strategic rationale. And I'll let you dive into that as well. Um, no, you, I, I, my mind wandered for two seconds. Can okay, I... so strategic rationale. So Microsoft and LinkedIn are both, they are job slash work-focused companies that yep. appeal to older corporate users. And if you think about it, there should be huge synergies, right? Microsoft sells what, you, what most people use at work, Office and the Office uh, suite of products, Windows. And LinkedIn has what pe- most people use to find and look for jobs. LinkedIn has 400 million users. Microsoft has about 1.2 billion who use Office products. So there should be synergies just by saying, hey, you use Microsoft Office, we're going to link it to your LinkedIn account. And that could be 800 million more users mm-hmm. for LinkedIn. Uh, you know, there's also synergies between connecting LinkedIn to Outlook. So when you send Outlook email invite, invites the people, when they accept, it says, hey, Chris Muth has accepted. He's a partner at Range of Capital. Here's his work history. So here's his skills. You can see a lot of cross synergies between all the products. Or organizing Outlook on emails on the way in. Yep. So it kind yep. of, you could, instead of just organizing by date, which is very arbitrary, or alphabetical order, it can kind of say, oh, this person is this level, and you're, if you come back from vacation or something, you can kind of attack things, triage more intelligently with LinkedIn as part of Outlook. You have to think there's a lot of value in HR, you know, mm-hmm. big companies, a JP Morgan or something. If you're in one division and you're looking for someone with the skills and another with skills who mm-hmm. works in the bank, it can be very tough to find them. But with LinkedIn, it might be able to recommend use Outlook, find someone within your company who's got the skills you're looking for within your company. Uh, we also we talked about Salesforce.com on our June 8th podcast. We mentioned they were a takeover candidate. Microsoft makes a lot of uh, Salesforce. It's called Customer Relation Management CRM uh, software. 
And you have to think LinkedIn's going to be a goldmine for their CRM software. So it could really help them expand that by providing more details on kind of potential sales clients. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so I think we've talked a lot about the strategic rationale, the synergies, everything makes sense. Uh, let's talk, is this going to work? Uh, you know, I uh, we, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. I've always thought LinkedIn is very interesting just from the cultural and philosophical perspective of being something instead of looking for a job, being an activity. It's mm-hmm. just a lifestyle where you are always uh, working on a specific task but informing the market as mm-hmm. to who you are, what you're doing, what your value is. And that I think it actually is, it's very, I think, important because I think it actually can increase commitment to work and the value of workers if there is always this kind of efficient market for talent that's out there. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so I, I, I've always liked LinkedIn. I own a little bit of LinkedIn and I think it could work out very well yep. for Microsoft, even though they're paying what is higher price than would be ideal. So I think that's right. I think there's great strategic rationale. The real question is, are they overpaying? We mentioned $200 per user. It's like an 8x revenue multiple. And Microsoft stock was down 3% on the day. The market was a bit weak, but it probably wiped out about $10 billion worth of market cap, which on a $26 billion deal suggests investors are very much questioning how much they're paying for it. Uh, You also have to mention Microsoft's track record of acquisitions has been absolutely horrible. Skype, they bought for about eight to nine billion five years ago, and that's been passed over by FaceTime, WhatsApp, and a couple others. They bought Aquantive for five billion in 2007. That was to try to take on Google and ad analytics, and they couldn't figure out how to run it. Uh, Google obviously is way ahead of them. They bought Yammer for $1.2 billion in 2012. That was passed over by Slack. And the most infamous is they bought Nokia for about $8 billion net of cash in April 2014. And just a year later, they basically admitted they lit that money on fire and they wrote off $7.5 billion of the purchase price. So I think the question is in Microsoft's court. Interesting strategic rationale. Question is if they pay too much. But let's talk, do we see any opportunity here? Are there any other companies that you think could be bought in the wake, in the wake of LinkedIn getting acquired? Twitter is the one that comes to mind first. Yep, Twitter is the one that comes to mind. And it was up about 4% on the news yesterday. Uh, It's still down 35% year to date. Mm -hmm. Investors are really questioning if the company can appeal to people who already aren't on it. And the interesting thing there is, if you look a month ago, people were wondering the same thing about LinkedIn as their stock went down. So LinkedIn's buyout does show that there's importance to data and having a bunch of users. Uh, I think you mentioned Google was probably looking at LinkedIn. I think so. Google's probably the most likely acquirer of Twitter, but the issue here is Larry Page has consistently said, we don't need to buy Twitter, we're not going to buy Twitter. Uh, The only other one I'll mention is Yelp is a social media company that could probably be bought at some point. Again, price is the big issue here. Last year, the board explored a sale. The stock was at 45, and they apparently got approached by a couple people who said, we'd love to buy you, but your stock price is too high, we can't do it. Well, now their stock price is at 26, so I think it, it is interesting to think... They've got more users now. The stock price is lower. Could an acquirer come in and uh, look at them? Uh, the only other opportunity I'd see here is, do you think someone could come over the top and pay more for LinkedIn and break up the LinkedIn-Microsoft deal? You know, uh, given Reed Hoffman's uh, situation in this, which is very good for the senior most people mm-hmm. at LinkedIn, I think this is the deal he wanted. Yeah. Uh, so I would say single-ditch possibility. Yeah. Uh, but is there a 5% chance? Yeah. 
could happen, but it's already a high price. It's already the deal that they wanted. Uh, this is probably as good as it gets. Yeah, so Reed Hoffman, the founder and executive chairman of LinkedIn, he's supporting the deal who's actively involved in negotiations. I agree with you absolutely. Uh, it's clear that Microsoft's going to run LinkedIn as a separate, as a kind of standalone unit. So all the executive team gets a gets a piece of the action and will be able to stay. So I think they want to support them. At the same time, if uh, Alibaba or Google came in and said, "Hey, two hundred twenty dollars per share," they'd have a fiduciary duty to at least explore that bid. So, if anything, I think this is going to be a analog for how Google Google can treat subsequent. Uh, takeovers, that if they really keep them this separate, it's financially tied in, that there will be more kind of Berkshire Hathaway-like uh, control companies that have uh, unified financials but more separate control with founder, chairman, CEOs that are given the jobs that they already have. And I think Google's already done a piece of that, but it will be interesting to see them pursuing that. I believe Nest and Android are both kind of runs mm -hmm. as separate divisions within Google. So they've got that, but this is obviously by far the biggest one, uh, and Microsoft will be running them standalone. All right, so about 30 seconds. Any, any last thoughts or should we end it here? Let's see. I think that's about it. Okay, so that's it. That's all the time we have for today. Before we hit our disclosures, a reminder, if you like this podcast, please be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Audioboom. Uh, rating us really helps us and encourages us to keep taping them. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to email it to us at podcast.rangelycapital.com. Disclosures, none for me. Chris, I think you're long LinkedIn. I am long LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. Uh, those are our disclosures, and we will talk to you later this week.